Electric people, we have an awesome episode for you today. Wasn't that fun? It was amazing. I yeah. loved it. We have Mary Powell on the episode today, CEO of Sunrun. And that's just one of the many things that Mary's done. What awesome energy, huh? Yeah. The energy was amazing. I mean, quite the career she's had thus far. Yeah. Amazing. That's one thing everyone comments on. Like when you when you research Mary, like if you look her up, everybody talks about how much like one of the articles I think we both read talked about like that Mary's such a joy to be with. Yes. Like in those exact words. And she's just She's fun. Yeah, it was almost like everybody was talking her into working with them. Yeah. They all wanted her. Yeah, one of the articles that um, I had read when she exited Green Mountain Power, she was the CEO of Green Mountain Power. She worked at Green Mountain Power in Vermont for 20 years, largest power company in Vermont. But the title was, she was fast, fun, and effective. Yes. It was like such a cool thing. It was. She was at Green Mountain Power for 20 years. They were the only utility company in the world to be a certified B Corp, which I had to look up what a B Corp was. Do you know what a B Corp is? I actually didn't go look that up, but I did read it. So it, it it's like it's like a five diamond award like in hotels like they meet a certain environmental and social standard which is they're the only utility company in the world that that has that so if you know Mary she's been really disruptive even before working at Sunrun and well in, she did say in the podcast that she kept track of those things yeah like it, it meant something to her yeah she was trying to push innovation even in in the kind of like the energy space and utility space um she's the one that introduced Vermont to heat pumps and power walls. It was said that she was the only utility executive that flew to California for the launch of the Powerwall, which you, if you think about it, that might be a really scary product for most utility executives. You actually have a viable product that can compete with storage and distribution. And She embraced it. Yeah, she embraced it. Um, she joined the Sunrun board in 2018. She was voted the best utility executive in the US in 2019. Uh, the customers, so Green Mountain Power, the customers gave the power company a 90% uh, approval rating. Which is unheard Can you imagine, of. like, if people were to survey the power company wherever you live that's listening to this somewhere, how stoked are you on your utility Well, she company? was in Vermont, right? And right. she was the Vermonter, Vermonteer, Vermonter, Vermonteer, Vermonter yeah. of the year, Yeah. right? And so, like, that, that, that says a lot about her. Also co-founded a company with her husband who's a professional chef. Company's called Spot the Dog, where they make reflective gear and energy bars for dogs. Yes. And it was one of Oprah's favorite things. Yeah. Like our, on her list of 75 favorite things, it, Spot, Spot the, the dog. dog. Yeah. So it was cool. I, you know, aside from those accolades, what did you take away most from the conversation with Mary? Just her love for life. Yeah. Like, a, like she really wants to do a good job and she wants to better other people's lives. And I think it just comes across in the way that she talks about things, the way that she went into her business career, the way that she went into her life a little bit. Yeah. I appreciated that, um, you know, one of her core principles, she talked about her true north kind of a lot. And it's in serving people, like doing right by people, but also just openness, you know, like she she shared some pretty personal stuff from her life that, that helped her, um, you know, maybe get to another phase of evolution which I really appreciate it, man. It definitely made me feel a little bit more connected to her. And I think the, the listeners will, will relate to her story a lot more. It's not like things have always just gone seamlessly for Mary Powell. It's not like she just has a positive attitude and miraculously these amazing opportunities come up. She really aims to add value and change things for the better and serve people. But she's so like uniquely comfortable with who she is and brings her whole self that I feel like you know the, the, the title that I'd written down is a friendly disruptor. Oh, that's funny. I wrote down a title too. What was it? The People's Champion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are great. That's crazy. The People's Friendly Disruptor Champion. That's a little too long. <laughs> Let's let our guests listen and come up with their own. Ladies and gentlemen, 
CEO of Sunrun, Ms. Mary Powell. The League presents Electric People. It's like, I've been wanting to talk to you for two years, and I was just sitting there thinking, oh my God, you poor dude. Like, if this is like the highlight <laughs> talking to me, I feel bad, but no, it is. You probably it's, read it's, the internet. Yeah, I Because you guess go read that, the internet, and I you're know. like... Well, and Mary? especially in the oh, space. We get to work for Mary. That is amazing. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But I especially know. the space you're in because yeah. you're not, especially like before. Now you're kind of in an innovative company that yeah. people really get behind utilities and stuff. But before, like utility companies are like notoriously stodgy. Oh, I know. And don't care about the yeah. environment. And, and that's old. how they were. Yeah. And so was, you come in yeah. there and everyone's like, right. This is, yep. this is new. Yeah. You know? And yeah. even the bank. Like yeah. The, the yeah. bank. I don't. I don't yeah. remember who I was reading. Well, about. you know, I think it's basically. I always just had like. The, it's funny because it feels so good to be working with all of you guys at Sunrun. It's like I would say the first, like, role I've had where my values naturally align with the work and the values of the organization. So like, even when I came into banking, like I just was this chronic outlier. Like I was in these spaces that I didn't expect to be in. I didn't actually really want to be in. <laughs> and I was bringing a different value set to them. And so, again, a lot of what I was doing, and here it is about with all of you driving, it still is about driving like dramatic, important change. Um, but in those set in those settings, it was actually also coming at it from like a real outlier perspective, like really driving values-based change that was um, in contrast to the existing culture the existing history of the organization so don't you think yeah. that's that's kind of what makes an impact off and often it takes that right like me and my wife yesterday we were interviewing this person to be a like a nanny slash house manager for mm -hmm. us and she said something she said she's like you know sometimes it's just good to get a fresh set of eyes on things this is the nanny like candidate and she said she's like i can organize your house better than I can organize my house because yeah. I'm a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. And it was like actually pretty profound, but that's kind of what you've been like. If you enter into a role that you maybe didn't expect mm -hmm. and, and can look at it from a completely different perspective, that's like where change happens often, right? 100%. And actually that has always been also, I should say my hard wiring, like from the time I was little, like, I don't know. I think, I always say, I think it was in large part the only thing I can come up with logically and looking at it sort of hindsight's 2020 is that there were, while there was a lot of great love in my home, there was also like a lot of dysfunction. And so I feel like at like the like very- growing up? Yeah, yeah, growing up. And so I feel like at the very youngest age, I was wired towards wanting to make things a lot better than how I found them. If that, it's just, it's- That's it's, interesting. It is, well, it is. And, and in fact, it drives my daughter crazy. Like, cause <laughs> like even if we go into a store or something, like she's like, mom, I don't care to hear about how it could be run better or different. <laughs> she's like, just, just stand in line like everybody else. Like yeah. it's, so it can be something as like minor as that as it is to something, you know, m more, I would say, substantive in the context of, of, you know, some kind of values driven change as well. Well, you, yeah. you had sort of what people would say would be a unique childhood with your, with your dad, right? Yeah. Being an, an actor yep. and having that role. Yep. And probably yeah, I mean, waiting it was, for the next job, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely learned a lot about like, he was so passionate about what he was doing that it never occurred to him 
to put like financial security before like crazy? his value and his passion. So like, you know, yeah, we grew up with a lot of financial insecurity. I learned at a very young age, you know, to be self-supporting through my own contributions, which is, which is great. I'm actually glad I learned that, but I also really learned about like when you're passionate about something. And I learned a lot, again, hindsight, you know, it's like when you're growing up, you're not thinking like, oh, I'm learning about vulnerability and passion, yeah. <laughs> right? But I also was learning a lot about vulnerability, which I actually think is an incredibly powerful part of leadership is like constantly allowing yourself to be vulnerable and bring your whole self to the table. And that I really saw with my dad growing up because to be an actor, you know, if you don't hit it big, which is the vast majority of actors, right? Your your week consists of you're constantly auditioning yeah. and you're constantly getting rejected, actually, when you think about it. It is constant throwing yourself out there, constant rejection, but all about like doing what you believe in, doing what you're passionate about and being willing to sacrifice for that and being willing to be vulnerable. Do you think in some way like, his, you said he didn't, it didn't occur to him to like plan for the future or whatever, which is crazy because you're such like a visionary person, like this is where it's going and we're going to do this and this. <laughs> yeah. But do you think that maybe that's where your sense of everything is going to be fine comes from? And I, to maybe articulate that better, like in reading, like you, you have found yourself in different careers, like vastly different careers. Mm -hmm. And I read the article um, on when you exited Green Mountain Power in 2019 and it, that you were quoted as saying, I'm going to go do this for a while, or maybe I'll go do this. And kind of like this sense of like, I don't know what's next, but I know it's going to be great. 100%. So I have called myself the accidental executive many times okay. because I literally, I mean, even, you know, working with all of you on this gig, like was not on my radar at all mm -hmm. as a possibility. And actually, like I, I always joke, as much as I loved the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, my book would be called Lean Out because mm. I, I've been really good at knowing when I'm like, when it's ready to transition. Like I knew it was time to move on. And I also just back to sort of growing up like scrappy, knowing I can take care of myself, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature, so I've never worried. Like, I've always been like, oh, okay, no, I feel like I've served my purpose here. It's time to move on. And many times, actually, most of the major transitions I've made throughout my entire life, I didn't have something else lined up. So really, like I left New York, like I started there for this, you know, incredible startup with the, the first money market fund in the United States of America. They actually originated the innovated the money market concept. And so I was part of growing this fund from 200 million to three and a half billion in seven years. I was the associate director of operations of like this large fund and like we just left and moved to Vermont, like with no jobs. Like my best thinking was like, well, I loved waitressing in college. So like, like I can I always waitress and enjoy, <laughs> <laughs> I can did always it, waitress and enjoy I mean, the outside. I think I had a glimpse there, like as I was reading about that, um, didn't you start as a receptionist there? At the, uh, yes, at yeah, the reserve the, fund, yes. Fund? I worked, I actually was a technical writer in the IT department okay. and a receptionist. It was a dual role. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what where I started. And then I ended up like creating the whole human resource function for them with somebody else. And then I just grew more so and maybe more it's into just leadership. That, maybe it's just that thought of like, if I walk into the grocery store and ask them for a job, I can finally make the grocery store better. There you go. There you go. No, it's and it's actually a lot of, yeah, again, so I found myself in these situations that I never set out to be in. And so, and again, as an outlier from like a couple perspectives, 
obviously from a gender perspective in many ways, but then also just from a like educational background, like family background. I just always felt like an outlier in these situations I would end up in. And so in some an outlier, funny, like, like I didn't fit in. Like I wasn't not an outcast, not an outcast. No, no, not an outcast, an outlier. just an outlier. Someone like, that would look at things differently. Someone who look at things differently and someone who like by, especially once I joined like banking, once I joined like a utility, you know, I mean, heck they were all engineers, lawyers, MBAs. I had an associate's degree from Keene State College in New Hampshire. Okay. And I studied the arts and like I stopped taking math and science at like 10th grade in high school. <laughs> so, so I was an outlier from like a, how you're papered perspective, as well as an outlier, again, from a gender perspective in a significant way for most of the industries that I stepped into. So in so many ways that actually for me, it, it not like it felt this way every day, but most, in most ways it felt like freedom to just be who I was because I wasn't going to fit in anyway, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk tracks on like, like speakers now that are saying stuff like, people are going to criticize you regardless, so you might as well just be true to yourself, right? Like if yeah. you go out and have a ton of success, oh, that's because she got lucky or oh, that's because she got a break or oh, that's because whatever, the company yep. needed something and she happened to be there, right? They don't see all the other things. And, but it's like, and then if you, if you, if you struggle, whatever, you're going to have your critics anyways. And so you might as well be authentic. 100%. And you might as well throw yourself 150% into whatever your North Star is. So I feel like it's both of those things combined. So like just to feeling like an outlier and being an outlier, you know, candidly, I could be disruptive, right? If it, 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 so I don't mean it in the way of like being critical. It's always in the context of also always having like a clear North Star of how I think I could see things being better. And that's like, again, I've just, I've just had that hard wiring since I was since I was pretty young, like as far back as I can remember. And it's also not like that I like can see how I think things could be better, like all by myself, like, oh, wow, do they need me? Because I can say this is it. It's more of a, of a and in fact, the, the, that first money market fund I worked for, uh, the, one of the founders said, you know, he said, you're kind of, you have this weird like Pied Piper quality. And I was like, well, it's not like I'm meaning to be the Pied Piper. It's more, I love people. And so I've also always seen of like, like, oh my gosh, you're so talented. And like, you're so talented and I've got this talent. And like, I've always been enamored by the alchemy that happens of you get different people together and together you can accomplish, like you can take the mountain that none of you could actually do on your own. Mm. So it's it's not just like this hard wiring towards um, always seeing that things could be better. It's also always in the context of just, and I just was so filled with that when I joined Sunrun of like so many talented people and the power of actually, if we really get aligned on our North Star together, like we're gonna crush it. Like always seeing how together we can accomplish amazing things. That's yeah. I've, I sort of felt like, and you know, as you've come into the company and as you're talking about your North star, I almost feel like your North star is like with you. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's a North star out there. You got to go get, it's almost like you have your North star with you. Um, I don't know. You're, you're magnetic in, in that way, but almost like you can bring the North star 
into the thing you're doing, whether it be banking or a utility company mm. or Sunrun or fund. Yeah. You know, it's, it, well, it pro- I mean, it, well, thank you. That's not, I mean, that's, that's, I, that's nice to hear because that's, I mean, I love people. Like I love people. So maybe that's like what you feel. Yeah. It's like that North star that I have with me all the time. Um, you know, and it doesn't mean I don't have my bad days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like again, you know, I love people. And there's some days I have to say to myself, I love people. I love people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But whatever it is, you get stuck in traffic, you get like something that's not going right and it's frustrating, but you know, yes, yeah, kind of like inherently my deep value is like, I love people. I love this planet we're on. And so again, that's where those two so merge together for the work that we're getting to do at Sunrun. But yeah, that's probably that piece you feel is like, yeah, yeah. I get, I like I get excited by people and I get excited by what they can do. Um, and I get so excited to think about like an organization of this size and scale and how much we can scale it and what an incredible impact we can have on the planet. Like, yeah. I think, um, so some things you, you may have heard, but don't know from this company is, I mean, you, you knew that you came into this CEO role at an incredibly, I don't want to call it like turbulent time, but just convergent time. Like fragile time. I was thinking about this yesterday and I think like if you were to go like whitewater rafting, you would probably like shove off from like a calm place and then go into the rapids. But like you kind of took your raft (laughs) to like the most tumultuous, crazy spot of like, I mean, we merged the two largest residential solar companies in the country together with very different cultures Mm -hmm. the founder ceo not just the ceo but the founder exited shortly thereafter and then there's all sorts of just real like political and like business Mm -hmm. and structural thought of how do we move forward and that's where you entered but when you first joined the company a lot of people as we travel around would say what's mary like what's mary like we'd met like a couple times and here's the thing that struck me um is you have this incredible like executive ability to know what the right thing to focus on is, which is like the mark of a great leader is Mm -hmm. there's a million things to focus on, but what are the couple things, right? But coupled with that, you have a really high EQ, like a real ability to connect with people. And it's really rare. Like generally the traditional like executive role is I'm going to march, I'm going to run this company, but like you see people Mm-hmm. and you see the business that's like a like there's almost like two different people kind of coming into one so how do you balance like connection and execution because yeah. a lot of the business books will say oh you don't want to be like too close to your people because then you can't manage them yep. and then a lot of them are like well you got to be, be with the people or else how do you know what direction to go so take that hodgepodge of stuff <laughs> and what are your thoughts on that well first of all i love whitewater rafting so oh, back really? to your analogy so of when you enter do you just like so heave like, yourself ex- in and exactly like- exactly like i actually can't stand that sort of time when you're waiting like you know the big rapids are coming but you're yeah so actually you should do that as an incentive like you should raffle off like a whitewater rafting well trip with it's Mary. funny like it's funny that you say that because actually one of the highlights of my time at green mountain was i took basically like everybody in leadership, which I considered even like the foreman in the line department to be mm-hmm. in leadership. And we actually all did whitewater rafting together. And it was just, you see how tough some of those foremen so, really well, are. Mary at the helm. Well, you do. <laughs> right, yeah. Man, and, man and, and guess, and guess who got like really soaked at the end. Right. <laughs> so they, they all kind of ganged up on right me, in. but, but um, yeah, so no, I do love whitewater rafting and you're right. It was, 
it w- it is. It still is. I mean, it's a fragile, tumultuous, tumultuous, exciting time for the organization. And you know, back to your question. Um, yeah, that's a that is a great question because I actually do believe that. Again, I believe that like some of the most important qualities of leadership are like vulnerability, like connecting with people, absolutely having a really clear sense like of where the opportunities are as an organization, strategically where they are. I have always had that natural like look ahead part of myself. In fact, there's been many times in my career where, and even here to tell you the truth, I got to rein it back a bit because I can be so far ahead in terms of where I want our position to be that um, it can be too far ahead, right? So, Mm -hmm. So there is a lot that you're constantly calibrating. I'm a voracious reader. I pay attention. I'm you know, so so I bring all of that. But back to sort of the people side of it, to me, and again, that's the cool thing of having worked in my career for like really large 20-some-odd thousand employees to like 200 employees to everything in between, the magic is the people. Like the magic is the people. Like the magic is connecting with people. And, and you're right, like it's easy. I think it's easy it was easy, certainly as a younger leader, to get that confused, that love of people confused with that really important um, you know, drive around execution mm-hmm. and really knowing that just because you love people, it doesn't mean that everybody's in the right fit for themselves. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that everybody's the right fit for the company at that time, right? Um, and so I think it is easy as you grow as a leader, as you go further up the ranks. I've seen this, sadly, where, and I'm not, as you guys probably know, I'm not a big believer. Like, I haven't, I don't sit in private offices that much because I actually believe they're all about leaders becoming less vulnerable and less in touch over time because it's it's hard to balance those two. Um, but when I say I believe in love, like, I always say one of the most important parts of loving people is tough love, right? And so it doesn't mean like that you have these amazing connections. It doesn't mean like, oh, okay, so now I'm going to put that above like all the other like performance and that we have to make sure people are in the right fit, right? But again, still always being willing to be vulnerable and be connected, even if ultimately that means you're having those uncomfortable conversations. I would say it makes it even more important that you had that connection to then have those. Yeah, I agree. Unco- right? Like, a lot of times I've, those ha- are I've had to do that. Like, exactly. Like, I, you know, I've seen situations, I mean, even like I've had to lead right sizing of the organization, or right? So, does hiding and pulling myself away from people make it make me execute better in that regard? No, I would actually argue it makes you execute worse in that regard. So, I. I believe that like always putting a human face on who you're working with and who you're serving. So I'm also like a big believer in doing that with customers, as you know. Um, and that's hard too sometimes, right? Um, because they're not always happy. Those are, and again, that's where it's most important to be vulnerable. That's where it's most important not to hide behind layers of the organization, right? That's, so again, it's, it's the power of, vulnerability, the power of emotional connection, what I've seen in my years of experience, not just with myself, but with observing other leaders is 
that's actually how you go from a good company to a great company. Like that's what it means to be a great company is to really be connected with those you serve, your customers and those you serve them with. I think you've found pretty good success, a lot of great success from that, like that concept of going into a situation and not being afraid to like change it, mm -hmm. not being afraid to like make different choices or be the outlier. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that in, in, in your career. Like what situations have you gone into that you've been able to just, you know, look at, and there's tons of examples. If you go, you know, look about you, look, look you up on the internet and different stuff like that. But what, what are those situations that you've been in that you felt like you've made a change and now here? Yeah, pretty much everywhere. Mm. <laughs> so again, because again, my this it's this wiring, it's that like North star wiring we were talking about. And so again, I would say if you're wired that way, you could pretty much go anywhere. And then if you combine that wiring with like, again, you guys know, like I came to Sunrun, like the, my first day, I think it was my second day. Okay. I was in a Costco store. I was in a Home Depot store with some of our folks serving our customers. Right. Yeah. And then I was in a warehouse and then I was it. So, so I was meeting the heart and soul of the company and I was connecting with the people we serve, which is why we exist. Like we don't exist except for these amazing customers we have and these amazing customers that we're selling to. And then I was working with our D to H team out in the field, you know, knocking on doors. And then so, so that, so when you do that, in my experience, you naturally are like getting filled with excitement, connection, and ideas of how wow, like how can we really crush it at that next level? Mm -hmm. And so back to, again, the cultural differences of these organizations that we brought together, you know, over a year ago, they are, they are, they are deep. And so, but the only way you sort of get to understand and uncover the beauty in both is through that connection with people that are serving our customers, with that connection with our customers. And then that all starts to form the North Star of like, oh, wow, like, then we could actually do this. Like if we pull this from this side and this from this side, like, oh my gosh, we are going to be so crazy amazing together. So that is, so that is, I think the same thing. Like when I went, like when I think back on when I went to the bank, like the reason we became the top in like sales and service in the Northeast was just, it was so much because actually I like got connected to customers. I got connected to team members who were serving them. And it became so obvious of like, oh, wow, okay, we really need to like tighten our focus. We need to really like, oh, geez, like this product isn't like this dog doesn't hunt, as we would say in Vermont, you know? So like it I makes- like there's a little country in Mary <laughs> now and then. And she's not, I know yeah. it does. Come out. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of, yep, this river dog rafting. doesn't I hunt. I love river rafting. <laughs> I think I one do. of the things that I'm a firm believer in though is all good ideas. Like when people are like, oh, that was such an innovative idea. Like- this is, this is electric people. These are people that stand out in their field. To them, it seems obvious. And you've said the word obvious like three or four times. It seems so obvious, obvious. that this is what we needed to do. But it comes from exposure. Yeah. One of the things that, that I wish that, that our leaders would do more often is somebody that's struggling with a certain leadership principle, put them in your car and take them to another environment. Take them to another team. Like mm. I recently got to go see our team in Fresno. Have you seen our Fresno team yet? No. It is an experience. There's a lot of like teams that, that are like that, but yep. Fresno knocked my socks off. And when I was sitting there, I was like, I have so many ideas. Like, yeah. 
it's just it's just exposure, right? Yeah. And I think if you if you put yourself and you you earned a lot of credibility with the field because there's a lot of nerves. Like, you know, we had we've had a lot of CEOs, you know, and 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 you get to know them, you have a relationship, and there's there's trust. And then they leave so abruptly, generally, mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, how's this new person going to be? And is the work that we did in the past, is it going to be seen? And just the fact that you were in the field immediately and, and then saw it, that's where like the EQ plus the executive ability kind of comes from because we're like, we were already like, we're going to show Mary where the problems are and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to help her understand what she needs to do. And you came down and you're like, whoa, I get it guys. And we're like, oh, this feels so good. She, like, laid, them, <laughs> she laid them all out. We're like, yep, read our minds. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, but for th sure. that exposure, right? It's it so important. Is, no, it is so important. And that I... I always, I always hammer on that, like in every organization I've been in. And I, and I just, yeah, like how, I don't even know how leaders function that don't get out and about on a regular basis. I really don't because that is, and it's not just, it actually is a two-way street too. I have to be honest with you. Like it feeds my soul, yeah. like, and it gives me energy. Like that's like when you talk about visiting the Fresno office, like, you know, I just like that first, that first visit I had in California, like mm -hmm. down in the San Diego area, like that, like it fed my soul. Like it gives me like that extra dose of energy and motivation to, to like hit that next level. So again, it's just, to me, it is, it is such an important part. It's such a rewarding part of leadership. Um, and it's so key, as you said, to actually coming up with a plan that's going to make a really big difference, you know? Yeah. Um, um, let's and then it also doesn't feel like mine, because I'm also like not, it's funny, like I know one of the things I've had to become really aware of um, is that I am, that, like, that I have this really strong personality, because I don't actually walk around feeling like <laughs> I have this really strong personality. I feel like I walk around more absorbing all this energy and then creating it into something that I think is about us, not about me, you know? So that's also like back to like where, yes, I might say it seems obvious because it is obvious because it's obvious to everybody. So by the time you're saying, hey, we're going to focus on customer obsession, we're going to focus on our go-to-market strategy, we're going to, right? It's, you You know you're representing the, like, the weight and the energy of the organization because you've been creating those feedback loops. Well, I just remember we had dinner downstairs out on the, the patio out there, and we asked you, we're like, okay, so like what what's first? And you said, I'm going to go learn. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go learn. Yeah. You know, you said you're an avid reader. And, and you know, I, I just think soaking those things in, mm -hmm. like you've made that a part of, of who you are. Yeah. And now, I mean, we're seeing initiative. We're seeing things come about probably from all those learnings. Yep. 100%. Well, and, it, and it ties into like sales too. Like, you know, a lot of the really experienced sales people, it's mostly who's listening today yeah. is our sales leaders, right? And, and people across the company. And it's all sales, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, in a sales cycle where you have your prospecting and then qualifying and presenting, a lot of people don't do that qualifying piece. Mm. And so they feel this anxiety to sell. It's the same thing with leading. Like, so qualifying is essentially like, who is this customer? Like, if I'm at your home, which I know about your experience getting mm -hmm. solar before you worked here, but okay, if I'm at your home and, you know, your husband's there and maybe your daughter's there, it's like, who am I talking to here? And mm -hmm. when you do that, they will tell you what direction to go. And I think, I think that a lot of times with leadership, if you, if you go out and learn, like what's next? Oh, I don't know. Like, how are you going to sell this person? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I don't know how long they've lived in their house. Right. I don't know. 
what makes them tick. I don't know what they do for a living. Even knowing that I've lived in my house for 15 years and I am an engineer mm-hmm. is going to change the way I approach you versus I've only lived here for three months and I work at a nonprofit. Like right. that is a very different mm-hmm. approach. And very I think different. once you go out and learn, like you said, Jay, like go out and say like, I'm just going to meet these people. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And I think that is so like that is what also customer obsession means to me is it's like it starts with our sales leaders. It starts with our folks that are talking to customers every day. And it is at the end of the day, like what differentiates a company? What makes it just another like cool product versus something that like creates this, uh, you know, incredible, sticky, long lasting relationship? It's emotional connection. Like that's an ultimately, you know, how we all get moved, whether it's to in a purchase decision or whether it's in other kinds of decisions in our lives is, you know, it ultimately is an emotional connection. So like that is so important to me because that's the beginning of the journey. And I think that, you know, having that, and that's what I've seen in, you know, at least the folks that I've gotten to be out in the field with on the sales side, like that love of people, like, you know, and what I used to say to people that I worked with in the past who did sales or did leadership is I, I say, like, you have to start yourself, you're, you have to start every day with asking yourself, like, can I go out and love people today? Because <laughs> and, and if your answer is <laughs> no, I, it is. No, I actually said that to this, this one, he, oh, I adored him, uh, that I worked with, this one leader. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, well, like, do you love people? He's like, oh, I really don't. <laughs> I At least like, he's honest. Exactly. Well, and even just being that honest with yourself, yeah. then you can be like, okay, another technique I learned early in my career actually around this was like, okay, because we all had that. Like, we're human. Like we have like really painful things happen in our own lives. We have really tough situations, right? And yet we wake up and we got to kind of do our day, right? Whether that's leading, whether that's selling, right? And so one of the like simple things I learned, which maybe resonated with me because of my dad's career, but, um, you know, in this training I went to was it's lights, camera, action. So like if I wake up and I'm just having that kind of day, like I'm just heavy with whatever the worry is from my family the day before or something that didn't go great the day before at work and I'm maybe not feeling like I'm my heart's filled with love you know I can just sit there reset I do like to meditate in the morning but like reset and then say like lights camera action like I'm gonna like today's gonna be a day where I'm just gonna say lights camera action I'm gonna act as if and then I don't know about you guys but for me when I do that 20 minutes into my day I'm not acting as if anymore. 20 minutes into my day, that like that energy, that reset, that love of people that I brought to the first interaction of the day, then just accelerated. And before you know it, I'm actually creating that emotional connectivity again. And then I'm getting that feedback loop. And then I'm actually having a better day, Mm -hmm. no matter what other heavy stuff is going on in my life. Yeah, you're edifying. Right. And yeah. you, you feel it. Like we've yeah. got a lot of people sit in that chair in this room. Yeah. You like you 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 your energy. It. Like it's 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 awesome. And yeah. I feel like people have said that about her like time and time again. And yeah. like you, even us when we first met her, like, man, she has so much energy. Like yeah. she's just yeah. she's just happy to be there but and, it's and not ready to go. Over energy. It's like ah, it's, it's like, positivity. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. I like it. I like cool. the flavor of energy. Good. Um, <laughs> you've mentioned the word love like three or four times. Yeah. And um I wondered, have you heard of the book um, Lead for God's Sake? Have you heard of that book? No. 
You heard of that book? I haven't. Um, so Urban Meyer, uh, football coach, test me. Florida, Ohio huh. State, and is that it? And someone in the state here. And Utah. There we go. That's pretty good. And before that. I'm not a football yeah. fan, but my 12-year-old watches football, so I'm new. I watched the Super Bowl, most of it. and everything. Okay. That was a good finish to and that Super Bowl. Recent, wow. In the yeah. NFL. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, nobody yeah. knew that he used to coach the Jaguars. No, everybody knew. He got <laughs> fired midway through the season. <laughs> so he went through this like slump in his career or life or whatever, and he quit coaching for a while. And he actually credits that book with helping him come back. Oh, and wow. it's uh, it's one of those books where it's like you know like uh, like it's a story, and you learn yeah. like all these principles from like the high school janitor who's really like a wise like yeah whatever. <laughs> We say that that's actually Andrew, our media guy. He, <laughs> he, doesn't, actually, he doesn't actually need the money. He's he just this wise everything. guru that hangs around <laughs> exactly. me to make sure I don't fall awesome. off the path. Awesome. But, but one of the principles is love. And you don't mm. hear that in leadership books very often where it's yep. like, listen. And, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, I got to lead. I got to be strong. Yeah. Like, can't talk about love and stuff. But yep. loving people, it's like, and I, I think, you know, we were just at the, the rally in mm -hmm. Southern California. And I was thinking about this as like, what, what's Mary like? This is what you're like. You're like this. So when I saw you at the rally, so we're downtown Los Angeles, there's thousands of people going to march to the Public Utility Commission to show opposition for this ridiculous proposal that's going to hurt a bunch mm -hmm. of California homeowners, right? And you're speaking and it, there's, there's cameras there and there's news and you're most of the people in attendance work for you. And so it's like a high pressure situation. Mm -hmm. But as I walked across the field, I saw you and you said, hi, buddy, and gave me a hug <laughs> and then spoke to the people and you delivered yeah. like a really powerful message. And it's like, there's a spot for love and leadership. Like when you actually like, and I felt like you're authentically, and I wasn't the only person you greeted that yeah. way. You're greeting everybody that way. But then you delivered mm -hmm. the thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so... I think if people can, hopefully like they're thinking about that because it's, uh, it's often I have to do this. Or I got to get this person to see it this way. But if you can say like, do I love people? I've never thought of that question exactly, but. Yeah. People first, people customer first. obsession. People first. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah, no. And it's funny that you say that because I would love to read that book, by the way. I think the first time I talked about love was probably maybe it was like six, seven years ago. And I and it's funny so you're at the because utility company exactly. <laughs> and I was like, and I was nerd like I, yeah. I remember it like it, it came. It was an interview like this. I think it was like a podcast, and it was so funny because they really were trying to dig it. Like, well, like you just got like one of the creative creative most people in business by Fast Company. Like your list, like you've been on the top ten lists of like most innovative energy companies in the country. Like. You know, and they like, re like, where did this like innovation come from? And like, I kind of froze because I like what was going on in my head was like, oh, love. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, do I say that? Like, I was like, like literally like, oh, like, exactly. <laughs> I was like, and so I'll never forget, like, I can picture I was at one of our branch offices and I was just like, honestly, like love, like, like like for me, it, like when I say like, it's obvious, it's like, and again, I bring my North star. So it's like, I'm bringing my North star. I love people. I love the planet. I want things to be better than they are today. Like that's been my wiring from like, I want things and I can see how they can be better than they are today. 
if we do certain things together. And that's truly where the our innovation came from, right? It truly was. And so I'll never forget when I first said that word. And he did, he he was like, oh wow, love, like okay, innovation from love, like. <laughs> and we kind of riffed on it. And, and you're then like, on, duh, it's so obvious. Were, exactly. <laughs> no, and then it was funny because like I got like teased about that, yeah. like from um from a, a person that I, a business person that I respected, like teasing me like, oh, and I was like, and then, you know, I just was like, I doubled down on it. I was yeah. like, no, you know what? Like, again, outlier, like, okay, whatever. Like that is for me, like maybe not for you. Like maybe that's not what drives your innovation, but like you're asking me, that's what drives. Well, you're in a, like, you're in an organization, right? And so yeah. as you're looking at those around you, I mean, the best way to be successful is to make everyone else successful. Yeah. And the best way to make everyone else successful is to look at them and be like, okay, how do I, how do I care about them? How yeah. do I love them enough yeah. for them to be successful? Yeah. You know, you know push them up, yeah. serve them. I get per se. Exactly. Exactly. I always look at like really good leadership is unleashing people because really what can happen in organizations is just the bureaucracy can crush, like it crushes innovation. It crushes like that like that that feeling for people that they can just like fly like they can you know like that is like for me how much like how it translates loving people how it translates in larger organizations is also like rooting out bureaucracy rooting out layers that don't need to be there rooting out like decision trees Ugh. like rooting out like anything that gets in the way of just like you invest in the best you you give them freedom and accountability like definitely freedom and accountability freedom without accountability is you know mm -hmm. is is not a good idea i don't think but freedom and accountability and and having those guardrails like clear guardrails but letting people run that road like run that road and just be clear on what we're trying to achieve and what that looks like particularly in the context of customer obsession i'm a big believer in like all the great things that I've been able to work with teams to accomplish in the past has been around unleashing people to deliver on what customer obsession means to them in the moment they're in with a customer versus feeding the challenge, the problem, the opportunity back through a bureaucracy. So yes, it's love, all about it. the people. That's, that's where I like to work. Yeah. Freedom yep. and accountability. I think accountability is reward and success, right? So yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what you want. For sure, yeah. And what I, like, again, and even I've been saying this, is I've been out and about in our branches all over the country. And, you know, as we've talked about customer obsession, as we've talked about, like, our challenges, opportunities are on the sales side is, you know, I said the same thing with when I've met with, with sales folks. Like, I have your back. Like, if, if it's a decision in the moment that you think is the right decision and you're sure of it, like, make the decision. Like, if you're... Like, don't let the bureaucracy slow you down, and yeah. don't and don't let it hinder you. Um, and then if you make, a, and then if you find out, ah, eh, like I thought it was the right decision, it wasn't. Like, own it. Like, radical ownership. I it, like I also believe in that too, right? Like, move freedom and accountability, and then don't let your ego get too attached to. Like, in that kind of culture, you also we need to all be emotionally mature to like own. Like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't the best, and then pivot to a better decision in the future. Yeah, that's like a higher level of of play, right? Like when when the thing happened, and it's not like my idea was terrible. It's I thought it was gonna work, it didn't. It's 
you know, I'm listening to this book right now called It Takes What It Takes. Uh, Trevor Moad wrote that. It's uh, He's Russell Wilson from the Seahawks. Two football references. Mm. Uh, <laughs> coach, like mental it. coach. I'm liking it. And yeah. uh, he talks about not positive thinking and not negative thinking, but neutral thinking. Like, yeah. we ran the play. It didn't work. It's in the past. What are we going to do now? And then, yep. you know, if you're if you're worried about winning versus how are my stats? How do I look? Did the people, how did that go? Mm-hmm. It's like if like the ego's a little like just whatever, let's just play the game. Which I think Sunrun admittedly, like they do a pretty good job at that. We did a good job at that, I think, before you were running it. And I think we do a great job at it now where it's like, hey, chance always says best idea wins. Like yep. and and I think that a lot of people, you know, it's a very and the world's getting this way. It's a very um fragmented and, and physically detached organization. You live in Vermont. I live in Southern California, Jason. I mean, we're literally like spread everywhere. Right. Uh, you know, and we, uh, she doesn't only live in Vermont. She's the Vermont. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're year. Miss Vermont. Well, but I do <laughs> live in the Bay area She's now too, asked. though. Oh, okay. You know that I say I live wherever I am. Yeah. <laughs> that's been my, that's been my motto since I take the, like home is where I am. Um, so home right now is in Utah, but I do own a house in the Bay Area now. So okay. yes, I am officially bi-coastal. You so. just got that North Star in your knapsack and you go from exactly, spot to spot. Exactly. But, but it's often really hard to feel connected to. I mean, we're getting better at it as a society yeah. that's just happening now, yep. right? But I think um, one of the things that inspires a lot of people that work here is we just want to win. Like mm. the cause is exciting enough. Like, yeah, I think everybody shares your vision of there is a better way to do it. We get our electric bills. We see the smog that sits over this valley. Yep. We, we, we look at like the antiquated method of power distribution mm-hmm. and we're like, it's come on. Right. And so I think when, when you can give freedom and autonomy, at least to people like me and Jason and I kind of like drum to the same beat mm-hmm. of, if you tell me how to do something, like uh, you'll okay. probably I'll do a good I'll job. Help, right. I'll do yeah. a good job. <laughs> but I won't I won't stay up till midnight and revise it five different ways and have right. bursts of inspiration where it's like, what if we did it this way? Right. And so I think the combination of like that cause really unites us that it's like, hey, we just want to win. Like I think Sunrun does a good job at not having a huge ego of like, we just want to win. Your idea, your idea, your idea. Great. You've got yep. a breakthrough with somebody. Yep. Excellent. We can use that. And then having a whole lot of like yeah. almost like freedom to fail. It's like take it, own it for if you sure, mess up, get better. For sure. But, I mean, and definitely I think in the organization, I really feel like chance does exemplify that in, in the organization. I think as an overall company, we definitely did have some opportunity there because we just became very siloed over time. So again, I think what makes the best team, and so I'm a big fan of like a lot of like movies about, you know, teams and hockey teams and baseball teams. And what's on your mind? Oh gosh. What is the one where he said it's like alchemy? I'll have to. I'll have to dig. To, I'm but miracle the wasn't miracle on ice. Wasn't there That's one? A good one? That's a really good one. I liked. Um, I mean, I also like. I, you know, again, one of the things I carry with me is like the Super Bowl. Speaking of the Super Bowl, where um, the Patriots were down and oh, it looked yeah. like no way. And like, if you listen to the sideline conversation, right? It was. It was like what you were saying. It's like looking at the brutal facts. Yeah. But not giving not up. Attacking yeah. Not attacking each other. Not yeah. attacking. One point. But not time. giving up. Like also like that line of this is going to be a great story. There's like a, when things get rough, like that's what that that's what goes through my head is like 
this is going to be a great story. Yeah. And so again, the reason it's a great story when you look at like where teams create great stories, it's also because the teams are more emotionally connected to the success of the team, mm -hmm. of the company, than they are to themselves or their division or their silo, right? And so that also is, you know, how I like to work with leaders in an organization is like everybody owns the success of the organization. Like it's not just, you know, it's not just the piece you're in. Like, yes, we all have the most impact in the space we're sitting in, but also just creating like that, that again, that alchemy that happens when everybody's focused on the North Star of the entire organization. And they're putting their, they're having their ego attached to that mm -hmm. more than themselves. Like that is also where the magic happens in my experience. Yeah, I feel like, one of the things that I'll often say to the teams when they're like, oh, good job. It's like, we all do the same job. Yeah, We actually all do the same yep. job. Now we have different roles, but it's like a military team. It's like, okay, if the mission is to go get this bad guy and I happen to be on the door and you happen to be driving the Humvee and you're on comms, we're all doing the same job. I got a different role right now, Yeah, but it is all the same job. And I'm actually really grateful for um, this cause. There's not many things that people like us get to put our heart into mm this much where it's yep. like if you can bring a unique contribution to the table please like seth godin always says we need you to make a ruckus like mm -hmm. please like yep. don't withhold and the cool thing is it's so easy to add value you can add value by solving a customer problem you can add value by go get a customer just yep. go get someone we don't have yep. and bring them to the table hey this account that's been sitting for a long time that people have just passed them nail it like get mm -hmm. it done mm -hmm. and so it's it's so easy to contribute that it's actually kind of like awesome yep. in that way. Yep. You know what I mean? 100%. 100%. Yeah, it is. I mean, that part, like waking up every day and knowing that we're working together on a mission is really important. I mean, and today was a great example. Like I woke up, there was some of that haze. It seems like it's gone, right? Mm -hmm. But that always is like a reminder of our yeah. work, right? Every day. Then I saw the article on like, you know, the drought's the worst in like 1,200 years or something. And then I read an article about like the next IPCC report is going to be even more dramatic on like the effects of how fast climate change is accelerating. Um, mm -hmm. And so again, like lights, camera, action, like let's go, let's roll. Like this, like the work we're doing is so important. You know, it is it is so important. And again, like you were saying, like that's like to me, like back to your saying, my saying a lot, it's obvious like it's like when I joined the utility space way back in 1998, like it was so obvious to me that it was ready for disruption, not just from a climate perspective, not just from, you know, a perspective of it just being such like old technology fundamentally, but really in the sense that like, again, how do we give, how do we give more freedom to, you know, people we serve? Like how, like the idea that you can create your own energy, you can store your own energy, you can use your energy when you want it. We can connect it now to an EV. Like you can, you know, get a Ford Lightning through Sunrun, right? Through this partnership. Like it is, it is what we are doing is so important at like, every level, like every click, like starting at the highest level. And then if you click and you click right down to like, we help people feel more secure in their homes. Mm -hmm. Like that is really and I, powerful. And, and the thing that like always, like in my mind, I always think about is it is the future. 
Mm-hmm. It is that that's what everyone's going to do. But everyone's just sort of like, oh, we'll get there. In 2055, we'll be there. In yep. 2030, all the cars will do this. But I feel like we have a sense of urgency. Yep. And you know, you're bringing a lot of that. Yep. Of let's do it now. Right. Like, let's figure this out right now with right. the next customer and the next customer. Yeah. How do we, and how do we actually do that? One of my favorite quotes I read about you was somebody said, "I can count the number of of utility executives on one finger that are that are innovating in this space." <laughs> yeah. And it was you. Yeah. And I just think, you know, how do we how do we innovate in our space to yep. get to that next spot where everyone knows we need to go? Right. And how do we bring that sense of urgency? Because I think that's a lot of what drives me and drives that. So again, love and and urgency, right? Like we have got to really fundamentally hit that massive tipping point, right? Like I think one of the most powerful forces on the planet is one of the same forces that's creating some challenges for the planet, right? It's actually consumers. It's customers. And so I've always been fascinated by like, how do we create a consumer-led revolution that actually transforms and makes the planet more sustainable? And I feel like that's fundamentally where, where we're sitting in what we're like, we are the leader in the nation on driving towards this tipping point where we fundamentally use the power of our customers, the power of consumers to fundamentally save the planet, right? Through electrification, through helping them electrify not just their homes, but their transportation, helping them, you know, create their own energy, you know, creating a planet run by the sun that is also complemented by further electrification in the home. So it's like so exciting. And we all need to bring that incredible energy and urgency to it. Um, I think I think that's really important because, you know, I was in San Diego the other day and um, Eric O, after uh, training principle was shared, he stood up and he said something that was really profound. He said, you know, when someone speaks truth, how it feels different. Like when someone says something that's true, you get that like, like a whole body. Yes. Like it's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's just true. I think people feel that in general with regard to like, when we're out in neighborhoods, you don't meet people that argue that this is like renewable energy is a better way to do it. That, that mm-hmm. It's kind of a fact, right? And so I think the world wants to do that. And look at like even like the food push and mm-hmm. organic and healthy and, you know, even better miles per gallon and more efficient. Your home. Like it's all kind of there. And I think mm-hmm. people resonate with the truth that we should probably be doing a better job. But I do think we have an opportunity to kind of like organize the message a little bit because it's um i remember we interviewed uh jocko willink once like a military leader Mm. and he said you don't create culture you steer it Mm. and so i think it's it's one of those things where i think we just need to help we're massive important organization i think it's important that we help like steer this help people like you don't speak like a like a power company executive you say Mm -hmm. stuff like you know what i mean like it's 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 a lifestyle brand or we help mm-hmm. people feel more secure in their home. Right. Yeah. Like, and so I feel like there's such an opportunity to energy powers, every single thing that we do, yeah. every experience that we've ever had, every memory, every, every, like our very comforts, our survival, mm-hmm. you know, you don't ever have a life event that you've participated in that energy hasn't played some role in, mm-hmm. but we don't have an emotional connection to it as a mm-hmm. society yet. Yep. Right? Yet. And I so love I think that. If we, yes. Yeah. 
But it's yes. like I have an emotional connection to my phone, and before I had an I iPhone, I just had whatever <laughs> phone, and I, you know, I know I, it's true. Right? My goodness, yeah. If you, God forbid, you don't have your phone with you for five yeah. minutes, exactly. I don't like the person I am if exactly. I don't have my phone. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, but I think yes. I think that's a really cool opportunity. Um, you have so many like interesting parts of your story that I would like to touch on, if it's okay. Sure. Um, you know, it's, 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 as I'm listening to you talk, it's, it's really easy to, to hear like, oh, I have this amazing like outlook on life and I've had all these opportunities, but it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for you. You've had your fair share of tough times. Um, this is something that Jason and I deal with really closely because mm -hmm. we see people, we know their families, mm -hmm. we know their struggles. We know, I mean, you spend so much time in a, in a foxhole with somebody that eventually it's, you can't really turn off your job and your life mm -hmm. when you're out in the field and facing customers. Mm -hmm. Like, it, I always say, why do it? Why turn it off? Why yeah. change it? Like, why? why I agree. Right. Yeah. Like, when, when I'm putting so much of my heart and soul in what I'm doing right now, like, my heart and soul is my family. Yeah. So bring them to it, like yep, sure. let them be a part of it and, and, and let them, you know, enjoy the journey with me instead of, nope, right now Compartmentalize. I'm Compartmentalize, right. Soon I'll yeah. be home. Yep. And soon I'll be doing, you know, yep. my golf or my, you know, whatever, whatever else I like to do. Your little yep. sectioned off life. Yeah, yep. my sectioned off life. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it would be helpful for people to understand maybe what, whatever you're comfortable sharing, but maybe some hardships that you've gone through and how you face them. Because we have yeah. people that are, that's families are breaking up out there. We have yeah. people that have, have made bad investments. We have people that show up scared. And it's so much of like being able to be in the right headspace is being able to like get yourself through that. So oh, just 100%. in reading like, yeah, whatever you're comfortable sharing, but I think the group would really benefit from how you've navigated life. Yeah. So that's, and again, I love what you were saying about, um, you know, it just, it feels like years ago, it was so popular. Like I remember taking like this time management class and actually what they were trying to teach Quote you fingers. was compartmentalize. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like it was like time compartmentalized management. time management. Like <laughs> yeah. I will have 15 minutes for my daughter in the morning yeah. and then that, like, and then that, right. And it's like, life is fluid. We're fluid. Um, and life throws us like, to your point, like some, big curveballs, you know? And yeah, I feel like I, when you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, which one do I pick? You know, and I, I guess probably the one I would pick in terms of, you know, just because it was like at a younger age. Um, and so I've had many like years like this since, but it was probably my first of like really challenging times when you're sort of at a time when you're thinking life is like, like all good, right? So I was like in my 30s, um, my husband and I wanted to get pregnant. And so, you know, I was facing like having a, you know, wanting to get pregnant. I think I was like in my mid 30s. And, um, you know, and things seemed to be going well work-wise. We were seeing our opportunity to buy our first home. As a New Yorker, I was like a lifelong renter, you know? Yeah. So I like actually had to be convinced the idea of buying a home, believe it or not, was a good idea. I was like, oh, I like, I like, like do down that. roots, like roots, <laughs> like we're gonna buy, like, ooh. You know, but so it was at one of those times and then it just kind of flipped. So like it, the flip started with, you know, we found out that my mom who had been battling uh, cancer since I was like 18 or 19, um, had a reoccurrence of cancer that actually looked like she, it was her fifth cancer. And it felt like this wasn't the one that had this obvious path we were going to find our way out of. So it sort of, you know, got that news. And then, and then I got pregnant and then I had a miscarriage and then my horse died. And then I got pregnant again. And then 
Um, like we thought we had, like yeah, like, yeah. well, it, and it gets, it, it like piles on a little bit more. And this was all like within, I would say, you know, reasonably short period of time. And then, and then I got pregnant again. Cause I really was like, if my time with my mom is limited, like I just wanted my mom and the baby to touch skin. Like I'm mm. sure, right. Everybody, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and from what the doctors were saying, there was plenty of time for that to, to happen. So when I miscarried, I was like, oh. Like, I don't know, like, you know, like, again, there was like that sense of like, you know, come on. And, and then I was so glad because then I actually got pregnant again pretty quick, like as soon as I could. And then it just didn't go well. Like, uh, it was still like all these years later, I could still get choked up talking about it. it just didn't go well. And actually she died when I was like nine weeks pregnant. So it was, she went a lot faster uh, than we expected. And, um, and it was just, it was a really, really hard period. And then, you know, I spent a lot of time like kind of trying to reel from that, figure out there was also like a lot of stuff going on at work. It like wasn't really a great time there. There was all this change going on. And, um, you know, and then I feel like I was just starting to come out of it a little bit emotionally in the sense that like my baby was coming. And so I was trying to look to the future. Um, and then... The house burned down. We were having a new roof put on our house, and I was like eight months pregnant. And I got the call. I was at work. My husband was off on a business trip, and um, I got the call that you know my house was on fire. And sure enough, that it was just a total loss. It was we had we were having a roof put on, and I guess they were using some wow. kind of heating thing. And so, so all within a short period of time. And that's you know, and so like again, back to my mom. I had been blessed with, my, I was the youngest in my family, so I had been given this huge bag of like sweaters, baby clothes she had knit. Where do you think they were? Oh, man. They were in my house. Yeah. Like every memory I had from like a child was in my house. This is pre iCloud. This right? is pre iCloud. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. The so plan, the plan it was it, changed. Yeah. The plan changed and that it, and it just kept changing. Right. And, um, you know, and there, you know, and again, life, life is about life on life's terms. Right. And, and, you know, and it, it really is true that, um, you know, we can just get gut punched, you know, so, so I, you know, we can get gut punched by life and it's kind of, you know, at some level, it's like, it's not just, I don't like to be so trite as it's like the choices we make. Like, are we, are we going to choose to be like, you know, embrace it? And, you know, there's a part of it that, yes, I'm wired towards like, okay, like this is the way it is. Like everything happens for a reason. I have to embrace this and move through it, move past it, like become a stronger, more compassionate person as a result. Like I absolutely think that is true. Like I feel like every hard thing I've been through and everything since then has cracked my heart open in a way that's been beneficial because not only did I let my heart get cracked open, I opened it to like the love that then could come in and help me then get to that next like place and that next phase. Um, so so I think it's a combination of our orientation and a combination of really allowing ourselves to be lifted and carried by others and really allowing ourselves to like let help in, ask for help. Um, 
you know, and then for me in many ways, you know, the work that I was doing at the time was also a little bit of a salvation. So even though things were changing, like having that little bit of normalcy helped that carried me through for a period of time. And then I switched all that up and actually I left that work and, and went off and started two businesses. Um, but I would also say like the other thing about when we all face these really big things is it also gives you that opportunity to realize like what's most important. So back to family, like there's no feeling, and I'm sure so many people listening to this will relate to it, right? There's no more transformational thing that, that can happen than losing somebody that you love. There just isn't like it resets everything. It puts everything in its perspective of how important is it? Right. And so there was this, you know, so losing just my mom and then the house and then having the baby, like having my daughter and having my husband, like was it was just it became also a powerful reset of deep appreciation for the for like what's really important in my life. So um, that's one that comes to mind. And and again, just I, I agree it's it's and then bringing all of that with you, like how could you not bring it to work? Like, let me ask, like, you're bringing it to work, yeah. whether you're talking you about it or not, to, like, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually... That doesn't like, fit in the, the 15 minutes on your schedule. For right, no, class. it doesn't, it you doesn't. Know. And it's, and it's it, you know, and it's it's so funny <laughs> because, time. you know, even, you know, I, I went through a, a double mastectomy when I was at Green Mountain Power because of that cancer risk in my family. Then it turned out I had a gene that was tied to the same cancers. So I made the decision to do that. Then it turns out it was like one of the most like important decisions I could have made because even though all the testing had showed I was cancer free, once I did that, they actually found out I was actually positive on both sides. So I literally like totally like- Made the right decision. Made the right decision. And kind of the same thing. Like, so I had this thought to myself of like, let me just be honest with you. Like what like what woman wants to talk about a double mastectomy? <laughs> like with with people they work with. Not many, right? <laughs> like, but I was such a vulnerable, like out there, connected to people kind of leader at that point. Yeah. So I was like, oh, and then if I disappear for like a few weeks, like They'll just be like these rumors, right? right? Exactly. And so like talk about vulnerability. I was like, oh, like I had a weekly all hands call basically at the company. And so I just, I just like, like I just talked about it. And then I talked about it again, like after it, I got on the call and like it just, you know, again, sharing where we're at is so powerful. Cause again, I did it kind of thinking like, oh, like there'll be more speculation like so, like just just be out there but and then i actually ended up with the encouragement of employees writing a uh you know an opinion piece about it that got printed and then doing a bunch of interviews and helping and then and then i got like the experience same thing with like just being out there and be vulnerable about what's going on then you get the experience to help so many other people yeah. because you talked about it like so you know and even like i had lunch with Tanil, one of our team members in denver who lost her home in this yeah. most recent fire right and so i made a point we had lunch together when i was in denver a couple of weeks ago and i could connect on a real level with what she was going through um and so again yeah it's all it's all interconnected and it's all like we are all interconnected and so i am a big fan on like bringing my whole self to the yeah. role and 
and, you know, again, being vulnerable and because I'm bringing my whole self to the role, whether I talk about it or not. So I might as well let people in. Yeah. And I respect some people aren't that way, by the way. So if somebody's listening, that's like, they're just not wired that way and they're uber private, that's okay too. I don't, I don't say this as a declaration that that's the only way to be. I think it is all about knowing who we are and being our authentic self. You know, the people can tell, like one of the things we always say is people are perceivers. You know, the, the, the stat that, you know, your conscious brain can process 40 bits of information while your subconscious can do like 40 million. Mm -hmm. It's the reason that like, had you shown up in this room after like a terrible fight with your husband or something like that, I wouldn't have known about it, but maybe Jason and I would have been like, what is the deal? <laughs> what happened? Like, and we, you know, it's funny because we always talk about like, and then hey, you speculate, right? right yeah, but exactly. It's like, but it's like you hey, fill in the blanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like it emits. So it's like I'm taking that into people's homes. Mm -hmm. I'm hugging my kids with that same energy. It's getting mm -hmm. all over them and stuff. And so I don't think what you're saying is broadcast what you're going through to everybody. But I do think what you're saying is allow yourself to process it and open the door for support because that's one of the best things about this company is we've seen people over the years show up to people that have lost their husband yeah. or to people that have fallen or gotten hurt and didn't have the right insurance or mm -hmm. people that got in a car accident or a customer man i had one rep one time tell mm -hmm. me about a guy whose door he knocked and he's like I, it was around christmas time and he's like i just heard the saddest story he's on a mm -hmm. text thread i just heard the saddest story and it was one of those posts where it's like be grateful for your life mm -hmm. and then we saw the team be like hey let's take that guy a bunch of a bunch of cash it's almost christmas he'd never and the group rallied and they knocked the door like 10 hours later with an envelope from a stranger and just said, hey, somebody wanted you to have this. Mm -hmm. Like, that's where we work. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that having like opening yourself up to that community, like once you've experienced stuff like that with a group of people, there's really not much you can't accomplish together. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you use things like that as an advantage, but you definitely don't shy well, away from human it, connection you know? yeah i mean i love that famous line you know people will uh, will forget what you said people will forget what you do but they'll never forget how you made them feel yeah like that's it's so true isn't it for better like, or for worse for better yeah. or for worse and that's i've actually always said that about leadership whether it's sales leadership people you know which is in in essence people leadership right like yeah. if if you're in sales you're in the you're in the leadership of people really at the end of the day and it is it is so true you know you're always an example even when it's a bad one right yeah. you're always an example of you know uh that of how how did you make a person feel how did you leave them like did you leave them feeling more connected, wanting more, like feeling better about themselves, or did you feel leave them feeling judged? Or yeah, yeah it's it's a really powerful thing for sure. I think I know the answer to this question, Mary. But are you the type of person that draws inspiration from like everywhere? Like, are you the type of person that watches a movie and has ideas, or reads a book and has ideas, or goes to a concert and has ideas? Yeah, I would say it's interesting. I would say most of my like people that have worked with me over the years will say like a lot of my ideas start with when I was on a run this morning. <laughs> so, so I definitely yeah. feel like the nature, like whether it's a run, whether it's a hike, whether it's when I'm in Vermont riding my horses, whatever it is, like 
I do get it. That's kind of the culmin. I feel like that's where it lands. Interestingly enough, like, but yes, I, yes, I see it everywhere. I see, I like even this billboard on my drive here this morning. I was like, Ooh, I really like that. Yeah. Like I draw, I do draw inspiration from all around me. Of course I, it was, it was, Oh, we have a higher purpose that it's a it's a it's yeah. a company that uh, advertises for hiring yeah. but it says we have a higher per- i just loved it like yeah. i was like you're I in Billboard it. County right here. Yeah, so I am. I am. Yeah. So this is 20 miles this stretch has so many It's the most expensive place to buy a Well, yeah. And then it got me wondering, like, well, how do they talk about, like, since it's a play on words, how in their organization do they talk about a yeah. higher purpose, yeah. not just a higher purpose, right? And I was, it got how me thinking about, like, job. culture and how it's so important. It can't just be these, like, oh, those are great brand words. But then I got thinking about the importance of connectivity. So, yeah, that was, like... Yes. So I, yeah, everywhere. I don't, I was just pulling it back. Like when you really care about something, you think about it. Mm -hmm. And so when you're running, like you're thinking about the thing you care about. Yep. And so if that is work or some initiative that you have going on at that time, Mm -hmm. like you're going to find places to feed that, like drive to make it better and innovate. Yeah. Well, I've always loved that, like, you know, people talk a lot about what is your gut. And for me, because I talk a lot about, I will use the term a lot, like, well, my gut says. And mm-hmm. actually, like, when people ask me that great interview question, like, one of the biggest mistakes you make, like, I make mistakes all the time. I Like, it's, it's, but it all seems to go back to when I don't listen to my gut. Mm-hmm. Actually, when it's kind of nagging at me. And I'm kind of like, but I just decide, oh, well, I'll just go along. Like, ah, don't, like, you know what, and then I'm like, ah, wish I hadn't. And I love that line that your gut is actually your, like, it's your system's microprocessor. Like, it is taking every life experience you've had, intellectual, emotional, and it's processing it, right? And so for me, like, again, when I'm outdoors, when I'm sort of, that's where I feel like my microprocessor, like, that's where my gut gets, like, really solidified on things. It's, It's like, oh, like, it just brings it all together. I think, yeah, I think to to Jason's point, like, if you care about something like these ideas, like you'll have an, you know what your kids are going through or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'll just have this idea one day to try this thing. And mm-hmm. again, back to the same theme as earlier, people are like, Oh, that's so creative. How did you think to do that with your kid? And you're like, well, to me, I just know them and I think about right. them and I love them. So, but I've always believed that the creativity and you're like a really creative person. I don't know if people always tell you that I'd imagine mm-hmm. they do, but I think creativity is the result of a curious and engaged mind. Like if mm-hmm. you look and say like, how can I create better culture, better unity? Mm-hmm. How can I get this person on board? And you're just constantly thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That's when you get like your gut and your subconscious to give you the answers. Like for creativity, it's not like you made the solution. Often mm-hmm. you found it. You're like digging oh, through yeah. your chest of stuff and you're like, ah, oh, I knew it was there in it here is. somewhere. 100%. Like, there it is, you know? Yep. Yep. 100%. Mary's got a lot of accolades. A lot of accolades. We set them in the, Mary's the intro. Mary's beloved. But you're here now. Mm-hmm. You retired what, 2019. Mary doesn't like the word retired. Oh, you didn't retire. Okay, <laughs> no. you left Green Power. I always said I, that's the challenge. You get to a certain age and you leave a job. Listen, like I'd left so many times before and jobs, and all of a sudden they put this R word on you, yeah, and no, you're don't like, put that what the heck? Don't put here. that word on me. Get I didn't put that word on me. You ran. No, you ran. You left. I would laugh for I you. Left. I sent her the list of interview questions last night, and, oh, and she the only thing she's like, hey. Don't say and that. you put it in quotes. She's like, I never said I was going to retire. And I was oh like, 
gosh. Ooh, saucy. Like, Mary doesn't <laughs> like, she's not done. She's not done. No, no. One, like of my, one of my heroes is actually my friend's dad. He's 95. He just turned 95. He still runs his restaurant. Um, oh, I love that. And up until, no, even this year, he's, he went skiing. Like, hmm. and he's just one of the most vital, optimistic, amazing human beings I know. So yeah, so no, I don't, I don't see myself in that category, particularly not at like such an incredibly young age. Yeah. <laughs> just just yes. youthful to the T, right? Seriously though. <sighs> yeah. Um, but 2019, you, you left this job that really, do you feel like that's like, the, that, that was the like pinnacle of your career? Like you, you, you became this person in the community, you became yeah. this person like everybody looked to. I think they asked you to be the governor of Vermont. I think, well, a lot of people wanted a, me, yeah, to Mary, run. Mary. Yeah, like we heard the chat at the, at the <laughs> like, people wanted that, and you know, you, you you left that piece, and now, like life's happened. You probably just gone with the gut yeah. feeling, right? Yeah, you're here. You're at Sunrun. You're at this company. You know, you're setting the vision. Yeah, there was a vision. You're 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 working the vision. Mm-hmm. What what now? Like, I think you, you put it great. Like, what, what's the, what, how, how'd you put it? What's the... What's the future of our industry? Like, we are, innovation yeah. happens so fast now, yep. right? Like, yep. I always think about the time you didn't have a cell phone to mm-hmm. what you have in your pocket now is I such I know, a isn't sh- it insane? You have yeah, a micro, you have insane. like your whole computer. Basically, you're carrying around what used to be a mainframe computer in your pocket, right? right? And yes. it can do a lot more. Yeah, no, it's, well, it, I always it's, tell my it's kids, crazy. We see the power, power lines. Yep. And I always tell them, there used to be phone lines. Yeah. There yeah. used to be giant pools yep. that were above that those yep. that were phone lines. But as we yep. approach that, that's the innovative opportunity that we have now mm-hmm. in such an antiquated world with a with a with a customer base that's teed up and ready for change. So what do you think is going to happen in the the near term innovation? and the long-term innovation, what does power look like in the future? Yeah, so first of all, like the, what I think is so cool about being here, and again, as I was transitioning away from Green Mountain Power, I was considering a lot. A lot of things came at me and, thro- and were thrown at me. And one of the interesting things like that has been consistent throughout the work I've gotten to do is I felt like there was a unique like need that I could help fill. Like, so... Back to like when people would ask me, well, do you want to run for Senate or do you want like that felt like very me focused kind of things like, no, I don't wake up every morning and say, oh, I should be governor. Oh, I should be senator. Right. Or wake up every morning. think, Oh, I should be CEO of Sunrun. Right. It for me, it always felt like I knew the universe would present the the gap, the need that that I could actually help fulfill. And so my response on on. The governor thing was always like, well, I actually think our governor's doing a good job. Like, why why would I want to run against him to unseat him just so that I could do, like it, right? I so, know some places things where are going you can well. <laughs> I have some recommendations. No, and I liked our center, you know, so, so it's interesting, but that sort of like yeah. gives you a sense of, so it was, it was interesting because I just had this period of time where I was just like feeling out, stepping into different shoes. Mm-hmm. And I also had some very traditional like utility player roles come at me um, that were much larger than what I had done, but it felt like, eh, like it's the same thing, mm-hmm. but bigger. And so when this came up, right, and it, it, it did really feel like that, like, wow, like, wow, never, didn't see that coming, but wow, does that feel like a fit in the context of like 
the things I've done in the past, as well as how I see the future of electrification. And so, yeah, you guys are right. Like that's, I mean, again, it was like very short time working in the traditional industry that I was like, like, seriously, like, <laughs> like, aren't we like, what's good? Like I would talk about cell phones. Cause this was again, you know, back then it was fuel cells. Everybody was talking about fuel cells. Yeah, We're going to be the big disruptor, and- you know, and I sort of, kick that around. And then, so for me, when solar and then storage really came on the scene, it was so obvious that this was really a part of a game change in the space. And when you think of the energy system from a climate perspective, it's it's a game change at like every level. Like, like I started in the industry after this massive ice storm in the Northeast that again, as I always tell people, it turned the traditional system into twigs and twine not just the distribution system, not just like we look out the window and see those poles and wires. This storm took down tr- steel transmission towers mm. on with lines from Hydro-Quebec in Canada into the U.S. Like that, like it was so obvious that Mother Nature was saying, eh, like this system, like, yeah, I, like exactly. And, it, and, and that this, the existing system of delivering energy to, to customers wasn't going to be the climate-proof future system. And so even there's been some great advancements and you can like, you know, harden the the traditional system. But as I would be boots on the ground leading in the utility space, you know, you're out and about after another like once in 100 year event. I think I went through like, like 15 of those once in 100 year events in my time as as COO and then CEO, you know, and so you would see the same thing. You would see lines that we just storm hardened that would then be on the ground. So, so to me, it was really when you think about a reliable way to serve customers in the future, a distributed environment, particularly when you can um, combine it and orchestrate it so well with the traditional system just felt like a no brainer to me. It just, it, it felt like, not just helping us combat climate change, but deal with the effects of climate change and give people the comfort in their own home of knowing that they're not going to lose power because of climatic events or because of things like that are happening in California now all the time, right? Where they shut down power because the winds are high and they want to prevent wildfires, right? So I was in a part of LA County that people lost power for two and a half days right through Thanksgiving because of a preventative shutdown of power. So again, it was so obvious that this is the way we have to go. So as I look to the future, I mean, one of the things I'm really intrigued by is that I really believe we're gonna flip it and reverse it in terms of the relationship with the disruptors and the utilities, where it's been, you know, the solar storage companies like knocking on the door of the utilities, like, oh, partner with us. Oh, like we can help you make the grid better. And then they do these like puny little pilots that aren't really change, you know, game changers for the grid. I think that as we amass like millions of customers and we're going to amass millions of customers, right? We're going to help millions of Americans really move to more reliable systems, home energy systems, where they can power their homes, they can power their cars, they can have a more elegant energy system that serves them better and is more efficient. We're going to we're going to end up, I really believe within 4 or 5 years have the have the relationship completely flipped and they're going to be coming to us saying, "How can you help us? How can you help us meet demand on the grid? How can you help us um 
create a more resilient, effective way to manage the grid. So one of the things I love that we've done at Sunrun is we've been a leader in grid services. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't love it because I actually think there's this short-term, amazing like revenue opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like there is, but the reality is the incumbent players just wouldn't move fast enough to have that happen. I love it more because we're building that muscle. We're building that innovation in our DNA so that when that when that relationship flips and they need organizations like Sunrun to really help and partner and then and then there will be a huge revenue opportunity, we'll be ready, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. So and again on innovation, I also I love what we're doing with again like the span you know, the smart electric panel. We're also looking at other innovations along those lines. So again, it's not just back to how we all are so attached to our iPhones. It's not just about having all this amazing technology in your home from an energy perspective. It's about how are we the leader in packaging that all together in a way that does create emotional connectivity with your energy system in a way that we have with other aspects of our lives. And so again, some of what we're doing already moves us there in a significant way, but I see us moving there a lot, a lot deeper um, and a lot more uh, innovatively in the next, you know, I would say two to three years. Well, cars are coming fast, right? Yeah. Electric cars, you just, you if you watch the yeah. Super Bowl, you saw 20 electric yeah. cars. Yeah, wasn't that cool? Maybe a little exaggeration, but yeah. so many. Um, the way people use electricity is changing. Right. It, it will change. Right. So the way that they think about it, you know, the way that they, they, they hook up their cars or right. deal with Ford, like this is such a big thing yep. that's happening that it's changing already. Yep. How do we make that like a very clean, seamless and innovative? Right. I've, and, and really the way you do that is is what we all know and have talked about. Right. You do that by adding emotional value to customers' lives by not just the technology you're presenting them with, but with the ease of understanding how it's performing, what it's doing. You know, and again, back to like this this relationship we have on this smarter panel, right? I have it myself, right? And it's just, it's so cool because then you can also see where you can make choices on circuits, right? You, you also can like get early diagnostics on things that might be amiss in your home that like you would never even think about, right? So it's, it's like how how do we add value? How do we think about this all in the context of creating this amazing emotional relationship with our customers, but one that is also sticky from a you know an energy transformation perspective and where they see us adding value to their lives mm-hmm. in the context of understanding how energy is consumed in a way that helps them save money, helps them ensure that they have reliability in their home. Well, and what you just said, that's a very human approach like you said you know the way you power the home the the early diagnostics i mean think about your body right so like you have a choice on now more choices than ever as to what food you and what fuel you give your body Mm -hmm. and how that changes like your feeling and your experience early diagnostics like how much medical technology is coming out now for early diagnostics like there's such it's such a human thing like i believe that in the future like We've never thought like, okay, I'm building my dream house. Most people don't think, how am I gonna power this thing? But you have a choice how you power your mm-hmm. life now. And it matters, like that choice matters. Yep. You said choice, like you can choose mm-hmm. what information with the smart panel and stuff. Like it, it seems like a house is kind of like a body It's like or a, a structure. It's like, okay, yep. we have this structure. How are we gonna fuel it? 
Yep. And it makes a difference. Like the way you fuel it, I think there's just so much potential there, right? Like there I is. feel a certain way driving an electric car. Yeah. I feel a certain way making positive choices about how I fuel my body. Your carbon footprint and your impact on this planet, like it's something you could feel good about with a little intentionality and then like exactly a little bit of consumer Exactly, having, having information delivered to you that is useful. I mean, again, I wear, like to your point, I wear one of those aura rings. Like why? Because I get all this information, right? Mm -hmm. About how my body's functioning. Did I get good sleep, right? I, I you know, and again, I never, I didn't like, sit around thinking, geez, I'd love to wear a ring that tells me blah, 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 <laughs> yeah. and how it count, right? But then you see it and you're like, oh, wow, that could add value. Yeah, that's that, better than that's, wearing like a heart monitor. Yeah, or exactly, so, you know exactly. Mean? Yeah, and I think that's kind of as people strategically electrify, because a lot of people ask the very good question now, well, but does your average customer care? And I would say, uh, you know, in a in a traditional setting, maybe a lot of them don't. But once that a month they do, right? Once a month they sure do. And yeah. and and what we played with, even at Green Mountain, in the context of being innovative, like we played with just even weekly things like usage up, like it seems to be here. People love that information. Mm -hmm. At yeah, first, we were like, well, people really care. They love that information. They love knowing how, right? And so we can like we can make that look like stone age. I mean, the kind of information we could start to provide to people and then they could have it tailored to what they're interested in and like, oh my gosh, well, why did we? Like, why did it go? Like, they, And then they could make choices that again could make their life more affordable, could make their life greener, whatever their aspirations are. It's about, again, thinking about it from a perspective of our society has to electrify to deal with climate change. Like, that's to your point. The ads, like... EVs alone are going to add so much load. So just like people now want to know where can they go to get the better deal on gas, right? People pay attention. Oh, that corner, they, it's two cents less, right? Same kind of thing. How do we get into that mind and self-serve information or have, have either self-service information where they can get it or push information to them through all of these improved technologies? And we don't have to right? wait. I think, yeah. I think, that's that's the thing that keeps coming to my mind is we don't have to wait. Like it, the time is now. Time is now. Everything's yep. just 2055, 2030. Yep. Like mm -hmm. what about now? Let, yep. let, let well, I think make it, change. I think what, you know, to your aura ring and, and you've said educate, this is like the transaction, like at the customer level, it's not really a sale. It's mm -hmm. really not. It, it's more of an education. Like do customers care? Well, I didn't care about diabetes when I was eight. I would just kill a whole bag of Halloween candy. Yep. Now I'm a little more enlightened and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't eat all yeah. of this, you know? Yep. And I think same thing. Like I didn't ever used to think about eating meat ever. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, meat, 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 meat. And now we interviewed a climate change specialist in like yeah. our second or third episode. And yep. he's like, you can do stuff like meatless Monday. And my family will do like a couple of yep. meatless meals. We had one last night and I was like, I feel a little bit different about it. I'm like, oh, I didn't eat like a ton of red meat at this meal. You know what I mean? And so yep. I think the cool responsibility and opportunity we have too is people will generally make the right decision with the right information. Mm -hmm. they, but like you go to the internet and you type in solar or is solar helpful? It's like, you're going to get, you're going to have to wade through this massive sewer of just garbage mm -hmm. and like misinformation. But mm -hmm. if we can help people understand, mm -hmm. like it's not that people don't know the solution. They, the problem's not personal. Yep. Right. Like you're, you're, uh, your your example of you know deciding mm -hmm. to to take this cancer preventative measure mm -hmm. for your own life it's like 
once you have the information, the mm -hmm. decision's a lot easier to make. Yep. And I think, I think if we help people understand, like, look, this is why the weather is so freaking crazy right mm -hmm. now. This is why prices are so crazy. Mm -hmm. These are some of the vulnerabilities that we have right now. Then it's like, oh yeah, okay, I see the point. Yep. I'm in, let's yep. do it. I always, I always yep, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And back to that that climate scientist, we had actually a carbon challenge at, at Greenmount. Like we used to, every week people Which would so talk about- from a utility yeah. company. Like, <laughs> and we would talk so every week about like, what's the tip of the week? And so much of it was like, so many people started with like meatless, like that same idea of like, okay, yep, I don't there. need to like become a vegan overnight or, or maybe ever, hard, right? Yeah. Or maybe ever, maybe it doesn't fit. But like, if, if we all just make these little choices, it can add up in like such a significant way. And I feel like what is, so important about the work we do is we're really like a gateway for so many customers to be thinking that way, right? And again, not in a way like I've never felt like you don't you don't move people by preaching. I I you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You don't. We, no one's we, changing their mind politically. Yeah, no, CNN, exactly. Right? Like, exactly. That's not that's not the, you know, like what we're about is transforming lives like one home at a time and then and then having that like and then the data will show you that like that then tends to be a gateway to then they think about an ev and then they might think about these other things or they might not and we love them no matter what they do right <laughs> like so yeah. again it's it's a, and again it's about being that beloved trusted partner for i think that's what's so important in this journey is is we all need beloved, trusted partners. Like having Sunrun be our customer's beloved, trusted partner, you know, to meet them where they are on their energy journey, help them, you know, improve their lives. Even, you know, if that's just like they say, they want to save, fine. Like, and then we'll help give them a lot of information so that they actually can save. Because I think sure. a lot of customers now equate, oh, I went solar, I'm saving. And then they forget like, oh my gosh, but if I use everything in my home twice as much as I was using before I went Sunrun, I'm not going to save money, right? So also even that simple way of getting a deeper relationship. So we're helping them see, oh no, all these little choices add up yeah. and you could spend more or all these little choices add up and you could save even more if you wanted to, right? Mm. Yeah, and I think cars are a good example because we have a massive message in renewable energy today that it's mm -hmm. like, do the right thing for the planet, do the right thing for your wallet. I don't drive an electric car to save money. I drive an electric car because they're awesome. Mm. They're fast, they update, They my kids yeah. can like change the little like GPS yep. to be Santa Claus yep. and it gets smarter. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it gets, it's, you know what I mean? It's just awesome. Yep. So I think the cool thing about the product is literally, it's something I think people want to be on board. Mm-hmm. I think people that want to save money, awesome. I think people that want to innovate, great. I think mm -hmm. people that's primary focus is green energy and predictive electric rates. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Like there's yep. a spot for everybody. Yep. And I think the technology, even aside, and maybe you're, you have more insight on this, but even aside from government mandates and stuff, like government doesn't need to mandate me to drive an electric car. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Like they don't have to mandate me to get a smartphone. That's also mm -hmm. awesome. And so I think with span and solar and batteries and bi-directional charging and eventual partnerships with electrification products mm -hmm. like people are going to choose that mm -hmm. because it's better you know what i mean yeah what well, i mean i've always 100 percent. i in fact i think you know hindsight's always 2020 but when you look back at sort of how evs started 
and how awkward looking they were. Everything <laughs> was awkward about that whole Everything thing. Everything was awkward. Yeah. And then the minute, like, like again, I, I, think, I think we owe <laughs> Elon Musk, no matter what your view is of him, like, sure. I think we owe him a huge debt of gratitude to, to bringing sex appeal to, to sure. electric vehicles. Like, yeah. really, in essence, like, to your point, like, I've been driving EVs now for, like, since 2018. And Did you have a Leaf? No. Okay. No, I had a Tesla. Mm. I got oh, a Tesla. Oh, see, that's yeah. when you entered. Yeah. That's when I it's entered. It's like, I, I that's believe when in I saving the planet, but the I'm range. not driving a Leaf. <laughs> well, it was also the range. Yes. I mean, it's gotta you know, solve the problem. It's got to solve the problem. It, you know, because, again, at that point, I was driving mostly in Vermont. So where you do, like, it's easy in a day to do 200 miles, mm. right? So I definitely needed the range. And then once I drove one, we ended up getting another one because for my husband, because it's like we were fighting over who was going to drive the Tesla. <laughs> so, you know, and again, yeah. but the same thing, we had bolts at work and, and same thing, the pickup, like the amazing performance of an EV, I think really what he was able to do was change the look of it, yeah. um, which I, I think was a huge part of it. Well, and solve a couple problems, right? And the so, Ford Lightning, like who doesn't love that? Yeah, that like that is amazing. so cool. Yeah, and it doesn't, I can't wait. it doesn't have an offensive design. I keep saying like, no, no discredit to the people that like the design of the Cybertruck that may or may not ever come out. Mm -hmm. But that sucker is so dang like offensive to me from like a design standpoint. <laughs> I'm like, did you? I remember I was watching the 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 launch. Yeah. And I said to my wife, I was like, dang it, Elon. I was like, this is really important. And you didn't even take <laughs> it seriously. Like it has all of the stats, but then the F-150 comes out and it's like, I can okay. use that. Like, yeah. all right. Like yeah. that, that's... We need a solution here, you know. We do, but. we do. No, and I'm with. I mean, I know a lot of people who signed up for the Cybertruck, and yeah, and I and I hope it's successful. But I agree, like, go with the mainstream. You know, really, once you start to see, and I was so heartened by what Ford is doing. Is like they're doing, they're taking iconic brands, and you know, and and making them EVs, which again is is just a really powerful way yeah. to drive the market. Like I think that's just a really like in the Ford F one fifty has been the top. I didn't realize this. You guys probably did, but um, like the top seller for like forty six years in the entire United States of America. Like that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I saw a thing once a long time ago on like what billionaires actually drive. Like mm -hmm. yeah. not people like not new money that buy a lot of cars, but like, what are like, it was the F-150. It's the F-150. Because they, yeah. they need the problem solved. Yeah. And well, the thing I'm going to drive an F-150 as soon as I get that it. thing. Yeah. All right. Well, the lightning, that's it's, a it's been quite a transition though. I mean, yeah. uh, we, we went to Cuba a little bit, maybe a couple of years ago and, and they're, you know, they have a bunch of cars from back in the sixties and they're pumping out that black smoke, you know, yeah, as they're driving I down know. the street. And there has been some transition to even the cars we have today to not have that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost like that with the home now. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at a power plant, what does it look like? Yeah. It looks like black smoke For just sure. pumping out of it nonstop. And if you were to equate that to every single house, mm -hmm. you would be looking at a house that's just pumping out black smoke. And yeah. so, you know, people are starting to think in a way of how can we change little things here or there? Yep. To, to not have our homes do that. I think it's really just that big change that makes sense. That is like, okay, I'm making my home more efficient. I'm innovating my house. I'm electrifying my home. It's not gonna be pumping out black smoke. Yep. Like I'm making it better because mm -hmm. it's solving the problems that we need. Like I just think the home's on that same track that we're also seeing in the electric vehicle. And it's just getting people to understand the differences between mm -hmm. the electric vehicle and the, the normal vehicle and now the electrified yeah. home. And the oh, and it's home. so, I mean, the other thing that's so amazing about it is then in that scenario, like I don't think, 
until people do it, it's hard to appreciate. It's just like the iPhone. It's not like we sat home and said, oh, I wish I had a phone that could do all these things, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, how did I live without it doing all these things? Same kind of thing when I think about this electrified home and having the car like a part of that system at home, like the freedom of not having to go to gas station, like the freedom of really in many cases never having to think about how you fuel your car, right? The freedom to have it like, interconnected with your home and preset to be charging when power is the cheapest wherever you are, right? To have it preset so that it understands exactly like your patterns, having it ready. And then, you know, that it's like one of those, like, I didn't know what I didn't know is one of my favorite lines in life. Like, you know, and it, it is, it is so incredibly freeing, freeing for folks. And I think that's what more and more customers are going to find. And then that is just going to, again, get that, accelerate that, you know, customer led revolution. Yeah. I think someday we'll sit around and be like, remember when we just lost power? Remember when your power would just go out? Right. What were we thinking? What you were know? we thinking? Why were we doing it that it was way? Thanksgiving. Yeah. Rapid fire, Mary. Yep. If you could snap your fingers and not have to develop it, just in one second to the next, you could have this talent. What would it be? Talent or skill? Snap of a finger. Oh, well, the first thing that came to my head is I would love to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. There we go. Take it. There fly. we go. Fly. <laughs> there we go. Yep. Okay. Sydney's saying that we have to wrap it up. Oh, okay. Um, what is uh, a recent book that's impacted you? Ah, uh, Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I really liked it. Somebody sent it to me for like, I think it was for a podcast or something I did. And I put it to the side and I thought, oh, I don't know. I've never heard of this book or this writer. And then my daughter, who's 25, saw it and said, Oh, I've been dying to read that. So, of course, then I read it, and it was just it was powerful. Untamed by Glennon awesome. Doyle. Favorite yep. movie? Oh, Die Hard is one that came to mind. <laughs> Gritty. Yes. Uh-huh. That's what like, no, you're talking lot, about. There's love, a lot. Dances like, with Wolves I liked. Oh, I like a lot of. Remember that I liked time Coda. in Die Hard? I liked, <laughs> let me give you a more recent one. Coda is actually, it's up for Coda? one of the Oscars. Coda. I thought that was really good. But yes, this is my husband my would tell Mary you Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, it's about love and it's about solving needs. Favorite movie, Die Hard, hands down. <laughs> Challenge me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, favorite band? Oh, um, oh, I don't know. Most recent concert you attended, you could do that. Do you are you a concert goer? Oh, I went to Old Cella in California. All that was right. really good. I, I guess you know. Oh, um, the Who. The Who. The Who was the most recent concert. That's it's the last good, concert I went to before. You. And you want to know something? I actually went thinking, eh, I'm going for my daughter and my husband. We went to it to Fenway in Boston, and. Literally, I was like in tears. Like it was one of the most amazing concerts I've ever been to. And I kind of thought, ah, they weren't actually my favorite. I like a couple of their songs. Unbelievable. Do you know why The Who is great for you, Mary? Why? Because The Who are like the right flavor of disruption. They're not like, they they forced, I mean, that was like kind of like introductory, like, Mm -hmm. like simple punk rock, but not offensive True. God save the queen, sex pistols, yep. punk rock stuff. And so like they got, they met the people where they were and they pushed innovation forward, which that's I can true. see that. There like, we go. Well, you that's You're learning a lot about Ty right now. Well, there no, you I'm just, go. He is our trivia buff. He okay. knows everything about pop culture. But you yep. don't disrupt by going in there and splashing coffee on somebody. You, right. you meet them where they are and you, you make it a little bit better, which the who did. Percent. You're right. That I is like the way that. you disrupt. Yep. So awesome. yeah, the who. 
You're awesome, Mary. Thank yeah, you so much. Enjoyable. Oh, you're, a great you're conversation. probably late so, for your next meeting, I probably but I was am, having too much fun and ignoring all the prompts. And there you go. Myself. All the people you know, the waiting light, at the, the red lights are just <laughs> waiting. We, we have made your life more difficult, but you're <laughs> oh, just awesome, and we're so grateful to have oh, you. Oh, I love you guys. Thank it was so, so awesome to spend time with you. Thank you for having me. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, just DM us on Instagram and one of us will reach out about how to join this dynamic opportunity. You want to come be a part of the best sales team, solar team in the industry? Hit us up. Sunrun. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric. Electric.